Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now prepare your hearts for a message from God's Word. Uh, We've been in a series the last few weeks that we've been calling Like a Boss, and that simply just means to live like a boss, you got to live in charge and in control of your life. And we've actually been looking at the book of Jonah and his life and kind of the do's and don'ts from him, what we can learn or what he did right, what he did wrong. And the last couple weeks, we've been kind of going through that story and realizing that in the first week that God gives all of us the power of choice. That he controls everything except one thing, and that's you and me. And Jonah was a messenger, or he was a prophet from God, and he chose to not deliver the message that God had given him. Uh, just blatantly disobeyed, went, in fact, as the Bible says, in the opposite direction of the direction that God told him to go. And we kind of learned that in those times when we disobey God, that, that we do often suffer consequences. And, and Jonah uh, gets uh, thrown overboard off of a ship because of a storm and a big fish. We like to assume it was a whale. It was big enough to swallow and keep a man alive inside its belly for three days. And so swallowed Jonah. And then we ended his story with him last week calling out to God, uh, and, and he was, he was repentive, he, he called on God, and we learned from that moment that, that no matter where you find yourself, if you are kind of in the belly of a fish moment in your life, where you feel like, man, I disobeyed God, I've been going in a direction he did not want me to go, that in, in any moment that you can call on God, and even when we don't deserve his response, that God will answer us, he hears us, and he responds with only grace and love and mercy when we call out to him in sincere heart. And so Jonah did, he prayed to God and repented and said, God, man, help me, I need, I need you. And it said the fish vomited Jonah back onto the shore, which isn't the prettiest thing. And that's where his story ended with us last week. And so Jonah was on the shore, and, and he's left here in this moment, and now we're going to be in chapter 3 today. But the main idea of this story and what we can really learn from Jonah and this whole series is that, that who you are, where you are, and where you're going is entirely up to you. Who you are, like we're kind of made up of the choices that we've made, so who we are as a person where we currently are and the direction that God that you are going in is totally up to you. And so Jonah had the power to choose the direction that he would have with his life and so he gets thrown up back up onto the the shore of the sea and he is left there and that's kind of where we find him today. And in Jonah chapter 3 verse 1 it said then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time a second time. How many of you are thankful that God is a God of second chances, right? Second chances. Not just really two, three, four, five, however many it takes. The Bible says his grace towards you is new every day, that every day you kind of get a second chance with God. And I was thinking about this this week, and I brought myself uh, the, the Magna Doodle from our house. And out of all of my children's toys, this is probably one of my favorite ones. I feel like if there was a Magna Doodle competition, I could probably compete pretty well in it. And uh, I have some decent art skills as a kid. I, I used to like to draw and uh, wanted to be an architect and uh, simply because I like to draw and I heard they made a lot of money. And so that was before God's call on my life, but I wanted to be an architect. And so Riley loves this toy. In fact, she actually has, we have two of them in our house because the other one over time, it begins to wear out a little bit. And because 
I like the toy so much, I bought another one at Walmart. I was like, hey, we need a new one. That one's not cleaning up the way it should. And so this morning, I uh, went into her room. I asked Jess last night. I forgot. I said, hey, where's that Magnadoodle, the one that I want? And she said, it's under Riley's bed. And I was like, oh, man, one, how did you know that it was there? You're such a good mom. Like, how did you know it was under there, too? I had to go in her room and get it. And so this morning, Riley, I woke her up to get this, and she said, well, what, what are you taking it for? And I said, well, I'm using it as an illustration. I didn't share this in the first service. And she said, well, why don't you, is your iPad broke? <laughs> and I said, no, no, I'm not using it to, uh, how do I explain this to her? And so I just said, no, baby, dad, my iPad's fine, but daddy's going to use it for something else. And so I'm getting ready to leave the house. And she says, daddy, wait, daddy, wait. I said, what? She said, here, take this. And it was her Barbie computer. <laughs> She said, if it's broken, use my computer. This will work really well for you. And, and so uh, I had to explain to her a little bit more of why I was using this. But the one thing that's awesome about the Magnadoodle is that if you mess up, right? If you're drawing something and Riley will come to me with a drawing and say it's a heart. I'll say, that's not a heart. Give me this. That is a heart, Riley. Your heart was really jacked up. Uh, but let's try again. Let's try again, honey. And you can, you can sweep as many times as you want, and it begins to wear out over time. That's why I had to get a new one. That no, if you mess up, if you make a mistake, clean slate, right? It's really the definition of a clean slate. You get a clean canvas to work from. And, and as funny as that is, that God is kind of like this magnadoodle kind of God, that your life could not look anything like you want it to look. And it could be going in a direction that you never intended it to go. And that if we pause like Jonah and we turn our heart towards God, that God will just clean slate. The Bible says that every day his mercy is new. Every day you can have a second chance with the Lord. Every day you can make a choice to say, God, I want to follow you. And God is a way better artist than me. He's a way better artist than you. And the picture that he has for your life would blow you away. If... We will be obedient to follow the second chance that we get. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. How do we not waste our clean slate? How do we not waste our second chance with the Lord? And uh, it's kind of like an, an undo button. How many of you are thankful for the undo button in Word, right? Like even today, I was finalizing my notes, and I highlighted something and, and hit the wrong button and deleted like half of my message. And I was like, that's cool, undo. Boom, there it was again. That God is like that. Like we can undo, God can undo situations. And, and, but, but we have to make sure that when we get that second chance, that when we have the opportunity to go after God, that we don't waste it. And as I was laying out today's message and kind of going through Jonah chapter three, I thought this message is almost too basic. Like how do I spice it up a little bit? But today I really felt like God was just saying we need to get back to the basics a little bit. We need, to, we need to remember the fundamentals of our walk with him and how we can truly walk the way that he wants us and the direction that he wants us to do. And so the first thing that we realize, again, Jonah was spit up onto the shore. And in chapter 3, verse 1, it said, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given to you. And we go, oh, yeah, God spoke second time. Jonah had a second chance. But the key is here is this, is that in, when we get our second chance and God speaks to us a second time, we have to make sure we're listening. 
Jonah was listening. In order to hear someone speak, you have to be listening to them. And Jonah finally was in a position where he was listening to the Lord. Now, we look at chapter 1, the very beginning, God spoke to him and gave him this message. And then from that point on, through the storm and through the three days in the belly of the fish, God did not speak to Jonah again. Jonah wasn't in a position to hear from God. He, was, he, was in a, he, he wasn't listening at that moment. But when he got back onto the shore, when he got his second chance, Jonah was listening. He was attentive. And I don't know exactly what he said and, and what he invited, but I'm sure it was, oh my gosh, I just survived a hurricane. I was inside of a whale for three days. Here I am. Okay, God, I think you got my attention. I'm listening now. What are you saying? And we have to make sure ourselves that we find ourselves in a position and a posture on a daily basis to where we can hear God, to where we can listen to what he's saying. I like to think that I'm a good multitasker. Makes me good at what I do and enables me to lead this church and my family and to be I'm pretty good at, at juggling multiple things going on and in our world in our family there's there's always something going on there's always something on the calendar there's always something that's happening and 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 I like to consider myself a good multitasker in fact I'm such a good multitasker that I can watch a sporting event and listen to my wife at the exact same time I'm really good at it I've gotten really good now we just and I are almost eight years of marriage this fall and and it, it took me a while I'll admit Three, years one through three is a little rough, you know. Couldn't really multitask that well, but I've really honed in, and I've gotten really good at those skills. And as much as I like to think of it as a strength, just doesn't really view it that way as much. And, and so I'll be engaged either in a sporting event or my phone or on my computer, and Jess will be talking to me. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. I'm not looking at you. I'm not acknowledging you, and I, but I hear you. And eventually she'll get to the point where she's frustrated, and she'll go, hey, hey, look at me. Are you listening to me? And I'll go, yeah, absolutely. And I will literally run back through what exactly she just said. And she goes, well, well I didn't even know. Like, I, you're not even looking at me. And I'll say, babe, I'm multitasking here, you know? But what I see as multitasking, she sees as rude. And it is, right? If you're engaged in a conversation with someone, you want them to look at you. Body language is important. Nonverbal communication is important. And so she wants to know that I'm listening, that I'm understanding her. But most of us, we go throughout our days, and that's kind of how we communicate with God. God, I'm here. God, I believe in you. I know you can speak to me. But are you really listening? Or, or are you getting up in the morning and getting the kids taken care of and getting out the door and getting to work? And, and, and then when you are at work, you're completely distracted and you finally get home and, 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 and every, it, it's, it's this, it's all day, it's busyness, it's chaos and, and I'm on my phone, I'm on my computer and I'm, and, and God's going, hello, yo, hey, I'm over here, look at me, talk to me. And in order to, to, to listen, we have to put ourselves in a posture in a position, and Jonah finally found himself in a position where he could hear what God was saying. And we have to make sure that we also put ourselves in positions on a daily basis, and, and, and even I say posture to where we humble ourselves before the Lord, and we say, God, I am here. Speak to me. I'm listening. And I believe that when we do that, when we humble ourselves in that kind of way, and we, we invite God 
into a conversation, that he will engage us, that he will speak to us, that you will hear from God. You know, when you get your second chance, you have to make sure that you are listening. And I believe the Spirit of God will speak to you and you will hear what God is saying. And and once we hear God, we have to make sure that we obey him. And, you know, with my children, this is kind of step one with my kids is just getting them to listen, right? Obedience is like, hey, that's down the road a little bit, but, but step one is just, Riley, pay attention to me, right? Like, stop what you're doing right now and, and look at me, and sometimes I'll have to grab and, and kind of get her by the shoulders, and don't worry, I don't beat her or anything, don't send me an email, but I'll grab her and I'll say, Riley, look at daddy, no, not over my shoulder, not over my head. Look me in the eye. Are you listening to me? And she'll go, uh-huh, yes, okay. Now that I have your attention, quit hitting your brother in the face. It's not plain. It's not nice. He doesn't like it. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Uh-huh. Then it's 50-50 if she does what I ask her to do, right? Okay, but at least she's listened. At least I know she comprehended what I was saying. And, and when, then we work on the obedience part. And it's kind of the same way in our walk with God. Got your attention. Got your attention, Jonah. Here you are. You got your second chance. I'm speaking and I'm telling you again to go to Nineveh. And it said that Jonah finally obeyed. Verse 3. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Deliver the message I have given to you. And this time Jonah obeyed look at your neighbor and say obey obey it seems so simple right Kyle hey this is so profound what a message you put together this week how much time did you spend on it listen and obey God yeah I know it seems so basic but it's so powerful and it's so true that most of us still struggle with these fundamental concepts we struggle to take enough time to to listen to hear God. And he's saying, hey, he's grabbing us by the shoulders. I got something to say to you. I got a purpose for your life. I got a plan. I got a, I got a lot I want to do with you, but you got to listen to me. And now that I got your attention, you have to obey. And that word go actually comes from two Hebrew words, kum yalak. Yeah, I, I did a little homework this week. I told you. And it actually means, those two words together mean go now. So when he spoke to him, it wasn't just go. It wasn't like, hey, I want you to do this. And Jonah said, all right, let me, all right, let me process that for a few weeks, God. You know, I'm just going to pray about it, take it before the Lord. Right? That's, that's what we do when God speaks to us. Oh, yeah, Lord, definitely going to pray about it. For sure, God. Got my attention. Let me pray through that. Let me talk to a few people first. And there's some wisdom in, in that before you rush into anything. But in this situation, this was a second chance. This wasn't the first time. This was the second chance. And in your second chance moments that you get with God and and he pulls you out of a situation, he comes in and kind of rescues you. He answers the call that you, that when you call out to him, he responds and he answers. When he gets your attention, whatever you were doing that got you into the situation, what this scripture is saying is, is that Jonah went immediately. He was saying, all right, God, I'm obeying. Yes, Lord, whatever you say, I will do it. Second chance. I'm not going to blow it this time. And it said that he went immediately. He went now. And God is speaking to us. And God wants you to, to obey. And he wants you to do it immediately. He wants you to move forward to the purpose that he has for you. 
And last week we talked a little bit about being willing to let go of, of our past and let go of the sin and let go of the things. And sometimes that's the greatest struggle for us is that we believe that God has something great for us and that he, he has this future for us and he has a plan and, and we can get in line with that. But it's being willing to let go of the things from our past or the sin or the comfort, whatever it may be, to really pursue that the way Jonah did, with obedience. Again, Jonah was going to a place that he did not want to go. Nineveh was about 120,000 people. And they were people that were hostile towards uh, Jonah and, and, and God's people. And there was a lot of evil and wickedness, but it was like this cultural epicenter. It was an important place. And, and God was saying, Jonah, I want you to go to this place. And, and he didn't want to. He didn't want to go. But when he got a second chance, regardless of what he had to let go of and, and to embrace what God wanted him to do, he was willing to do it. You know, sometimes we think about letting go of our past, we think about bad stuff. Like, I gotta let go of my sin, I gotta let go of, you know, my, whatever that may be. But sometimes it's letting go of good things. It's letting go of things that, that aren't bad, that aren't sinful. You know, when I think about God's call to us to plant Adventure Church, we had been in Oklahoma for just about a year. And had kind of moved our whole life there and we're settling in a little bit and, and we came back here to visit some family and, and God began to do something. And I couldn't really explain it at that time, but I remember God began to speak the vision for this church and began to kind of put it on my heart. And I was just like, no, I don't, I just moved. I, you know, I've already planted a church before. I've already kind of been there and done that. And what are you saying? And God just began to speak. And, and we had, I had a good job. I was at a church that was a few thousand people. I was very comfortable. Jess didn't have to work. We were living in a nice home. And hey, God, I can stay here for three or four years and kind of learn and grow. And then I can take a lead pastor position somewhere. And that will open up a lot of doors for me because this is a very influential place and leaders. And, and this is going to be great. I kind of had my whole plan ironed out and laid out. And I was ready to go. And God interrupted it. And he said, no, I'm doing something different. And I didn't have to let go of bad thing. It wasn't bad that we were there. God asked us to go there. But we had to be willing to let go of our comfort, let go of, of our security, of, of financial thing, to come and plant and, and to kind of step out into the unknown again. And sometimes we have to be willing to let go of, of good things, to move forward towards your future. You've got to let go of the past, the good the bad, the ugly of it. Sometimes it's just the good old days that it's like, well, I just, wanna, I just, want, I just want it to be like it was. I want my, my marriage to be like it was when we first met and I want these things. And a lot of times in the church world, it's like people want to go back to like some encounter that they had with God when they remembered where I was, I was 15 and I was at a summer camp and they were playing that song. And do you think you guys could play that song for me? It's such a good song. I, I know it will minister to the people. Can could you guys play that on a Sunday for us? And I'll say, that song's 30 years old. It's irrelevant, you know, I'm, I'm glad it, no, we, we can't play it. But, but I just want to go, I want to have that feeling again. It's like, sometimes we got to let go of that. God has something new. He has something he wants to do and we can't hold on to the good old days. And sometimes we got to forgive to really embrace and to go where God wants us to go. We got to forgive people who have hurt us deeply, deep wounds and hurts and God's asking you to forgive them so that you can move on because your forgiveness and the grace you extend towards the people in your life who have hurt you directly affects the grace that God can extend towards you. And it's not about them. Remember, it's about you. 
God wants you to move forward, and you can't if you can't forgive those. And then sometimes you just got to be willing to forgive yourself. Some of you have hurt others. Some of you have made mistakes, and you had that belly of a fish moment, and you get your second chance, but you keep going back and going, man, but I just feel bad, and look what I did, and look at the consequences, and all those guys on the ship, you know, they lost all their cargo, like, I just feel bad, and, and God's saying, look, that's yesterday, I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned about today, let's move forward together, we've got to forgive others, we've got to forgive ourselves, because the reality is, is that no matter where you're at right now, again, where you are at, where you're going, those things are very important to God, but regardless of who you are, what God's called you to do, your purpose in life, the direction you're heading in, we all have a job to do, just like Jonah. Jonah was sent to people to tell them about the good news of God. And his message actually wasn't that great. I mean, it was because he was telling the people that there was a better way. But his message was, God's going to destroy all of you in 40 days if you don't change. Not the most popular thing. But God is, is sending all of us. Every day we're sent out into a world full of people who, who need to hear the good news of God. God was compassionate. Next week we're going to learn a little bit more about that in chapter 4 where, again, Jonah's struggling with this tension of like, these are evil people. They deserve your punishment. They deserve your wrath. And, and God, why are you trying to save them? I knew that you would do this. Jonah says, I knew that you would save them. I knew that you would be merciful to these people. And he's frustrated with God about it. And God is saying, but there's 120,000 people here. And, and, and he had compassion on them. And, and Jesus actually talks about this in Matthew chapter 9 where, where he's saying that I'm looking for workers to do my work. He says that he traveled, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, the need is great, the Nineveh cities are great, the people who need the good news. He said, but the workers, that's where we're struggling. It's few. So pray. He tells his disciples, pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. You see, Jonah's task wasn't the easiest one. What God was asking him to do, the obedient step that he had to take was gonna pull him out of his comfort zone. The harvest field. The, think about that picture that Jesus is giving of saying the field, the, the harvest is there. You can plant crop all day long, but someone has to go and harvest the crop. And God's saying the, the harvest is great. There's a huge need. But I don't have that many people who are willing to go out into the field in the hot sun and to, to harvest the crop, there's a need. And you see that regardless of your profession, what you do, whatever it is, the call that God gave Jonah is the same call that he gives you and me. To go, to share the good news with people, to warn them that the path they're heading down is destructive. That if they don't turn to God, there's gonna be consequences. And they need to turn before it's too late. But we struggle with that because what God calls us to do sometimes pulls us out of our comfort zone. But I want to be honest with you this morning because Scripture is very clear, just like it is in the story of Jonah throughout Scripture, that God is more concerned about the lost than he is your comfort. God's more concerned about those who are far from him than he is about your feelings. 
The Bible says that, well, Jesus said that he would leave the 99 people, the righteous, he said, the ones who know me, for the one who was lost. That he'd, he'd turn his attention, even just for one person, that he, hey, you guys are good. You know the good news. You know me. You love me. You're, hey, we're good. We, we got some work to do on you still, but we'll get to that. I got to go, the one out here, he's lost. I got to go find him. I got to go bring him back. That's where Jesus, he's not concerned. Well, what do you mean you're leaving us, Jesus? Why, I need you still. I, I, I'll be back, but I got to get this one. The scripture tells us that he's way more concerned about those who haven't heard the good news than he is about our comfort and our feelings. And Jonah had to embrace that. He had to go to a people he didn't want to go to. He had to go to a place he didn't want to go to. But he was willing to. When he got a second chance, he said, God, I'm listening. Not only am I listening, but I'll obey. I'll do what you're telling me to do. It's the next step. And when we get our second chance is listening and obeying. And then lastly, once we do that, then we need to trust. We have to trust God with the results. You see, in this whole story, Jonah's only responsibility, again, coming back to the power of choice that God gives us, that we have to own who we are, where we are, and where we're going. That's on us. But there comes a point when we obey that we go, all right, I did my part. Your only responsibility is obedience. The results, that's on him. And that's a pretty freeing thing. To go, all right, God, you just told me to listen. I'm listening, I'm praying, I'm processing. I'm gonna follow you, I'm gonna be obedient. And, and what happens? That's on you. I gotta trust you with that. That's how it works. That's how faith works. In Jonah chapter three, verses six to 10, it said that the people of Nineveh believed God's message. They believed it. They didn't say they believed Jonah's message, that they responded to Jonah, that they actually sensed God and his power and his spirit through Jonah and believed his message. Said from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow, that they were repenting, that they were turning back to God. And we can easily just kind of read this and pass over it like, oh yeah, God, Jonah got a second chance. He did what God told him to do. They, they believed him. Man, that's awesome. Great. Good for Jonah, you know, high five. You did it, man. But, but we got to remember the, the, the context of what Nineveh was. And the best way that I could explain it to you today is, is Nineveh was like Las Vegas. It was Sin City. The, 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 the drastic differences from their culture to the way that God was asking them to live was, was very different. This was a no way kind of moment for Jonah and for the reader of this day. No way. It's kind of like, again, if I was watching sports and my wife actually wanted to watch with me, it'd be a straight miracle, right? Like, no way. Well, you want to watch this? This is awesome. No way. That's, that's what happened here. It, it's like Vegas saying, hey, we heard a message from God. All the casinos are getting turned into churches. All the clubs are going to be houses of worship. We would go, no way. And you kind of chuckle. You're like, Good luck, Kyle. You want to go to, to Nineveh, Vegas, and proclaim that? Thankfully, God's just called me to Lewis Center, so I'll be happy to stay here. But that's, that's kind of the miraculous thing that took place here. That Jonah went to this culture, and they listened, and they repented, 
and they turned to God. Even the king humbled himself. In verse six, it said, when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, which was a sign of humility, another sign of humility. He took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap. How many of you have ever worn burlap before? Hopefully none of you. Couldn't be that comfortable. And it said he sat on a heap of ashes. He was contrite. He was showing God. Those were all visual signs of saying, God, I'm I'm humbling myself. I'm repenting. I'm, I'm bowing before you. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all of their violence. They fasted, they prayed, they humbled themselves. They took a position and a posture of humility, the same thing that Jonah went through. When he turned back to God, God gives him this message and he goes to Nineveh and the people of Nineveh respond and obey. He said, verse nine, the king said, who who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and he'll hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. You know, I watch the news. I see what's going on in our world. It's very disheartening. It's very concerning for me. I see the evil in our world and I think about my two-year-old and what it's going to be like when he's 18. What's it going to be like when he gets out of college and, and, and I can easily just see the evil and what's going on in our world and, and I, can, I can just think like, man, I is this ever going to change? Is there, is there any hope? I'm sure Jonah felt that way. Is there any hope? But because he was obedient, a culture, 120,000 people, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into this next week, 120,000 people turned and sought after God. A miraculous thing took place. And I can't help to think, but, but what, if, what if we obeyed God in a way that we delivered a message of hope where the people in our culture, in our world, would do the same thing. That they would have the same attitude and say, man, I, I didn't know. I didn't know this God had a better way. I mean, I'm turning to God. I, I. But they'll never know unless someone speaks to them. The harvest is great. The workers are few. It said when they saw, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways. He changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. Why do we doubt God? You ever think about that? I'm challenged with that as I was praying. Why do I doubt him? God's asked me to do some big things in my life. Most recently when we stepped out in faith to, to renovate this building, some of you are new and Maybe you didn't know where we used to meet. We used to meet in a conference center. We used to set up and tear down every day, every Sunday. And, and, and this building did not look like this when we got it. We had to put a lot of work and effort. Many of you did, not just with your finances, but with your time. And, but I, I remember standing on that portable stage in Nationwide, and I preached a message called that we were going to need to stretch ourselves and that we were going to need to take a step of faith and that God was calling us to, to step out. You see, again, we have to choose to be obedient. But once you take a step of faith to trust God, then it's on him. 
You can trust him. He's worthy of your trust. He's trustworthy. But I'll be honest with you, there was times throughout this whole process where I would doubt. I go, I don't know if we're going to be able to do it. We may be sitting on the floor. We may not have chairs. We may not have painted walls or carpet or kids stuff. There was times where we didn't know. But God is so faithful. In three months, our church, with the help of some other churches, sowing seed into us, in three months, we raised over $150,000. And I go, why would I ever doubt God? When we take a step of faith, God always responds with faithfulness. And God responded to Jonah's faithfulness and obedience. He responded to the people of Nineveh's obedience where they turned and it said he changed his mind, that he showed them mercy. And today, he is the same God. It says he, cha- he never changes. And that same God that responded to them responds to you. The same God that responded and showed up in miraculous way for Jonah is the same God that can show up for you if you'll listen. And then once you hear what he's saying, you'll obey what he says. And we can learn from Scripture that when you obey, the results, up to him. May not always be on our timeline, may not always be the way that we expect, but God shows up and God moves. Jesus said, the harvest is great, the workers are few, and he told his disciples to pray. He said, pray for workers. Did you know that you and I could be an answer to a prayer prayed over 2,000 years ago? That we can be the ones to say, I'll do it. I'll obey. I'll work for you, God. I'll be a doer for you. I'll be a worker for you. I'll let go of my comfort. I'll let go of the security. I'll work for your kingdom. I'll be a worker for you. That we have an opportunity to do that. To show up. To obey God. Today as we close out, I'm going to share with you this scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Wait a second. You say there's another way? Is there another opportunity to please God? To follow him, to be obedient to him? It said it's impossible. You cannot follow God. You cannot hear him, obey him, Without faith. It says it's impossible. You can't please him without faith. Anyone, anybody who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. First of all, you've never seen God. So we put our faith into a God we've never seen. We put our trust into a God we've never seen. We say, God, I believe. I trust you. I'm putting my faith in you. And I'm putting my faith in your plans. I'm putting my faith in your word. I'm putting my faith in what you're telling me to do. And I will be obedient to follow what you say to do. And then God says this. And then it says this. It says, and then he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Impossible to please God without faith, without being obedient, without trusting him. Can't please him. And it says, and when we do that, when we are faithful to obey God and to follow him, and sincerely, does that mean you're not going to mess up? No. That's grace, that's mercy. Look, this isn't about whether you're going to heaven or you're going to hell. This isn't a salvation moment. This is just saying, God, am I gonna be obedient 
to your will? Am I going to align myself with your plan? But we want it all laid out. I want the answers. I would have loved to have known in July of 2012 when God began to speak this vision to me about Adventure Church that I would be here right now (laughs) in a facility with awesome people like you seeing God move in miraculous ways I would have loved to know all those things but then there's no faith he said it's impossible to please him without faith we gotta have faith we gotta trust God We got to follow God. And when we do that, God shows up because he rewards those. He rewards those who sincerely seek after him. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me?